This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by David and Brady. We've got some basketball news to discuss this week. Uh, first off, the South Alabama series this weekend has been postponed and team activities paused following multiple COVID-19 positive test results impacting Tier 1 individuals, which includes student-athletes, coaches, and support staff per a Georgia State press release. It goes on to say, all activities will be paused for a minimum of seven days, and those affected will remain in isolation per CDC guidelines. This is the second time this season that the Georgia State men's basketball team has been placed in this COVID-19 protocol. Uh, the women's basketball team, of course, also dealt with this a few weeks ago. Uh, gentlemen, what are the implications of losing this weekend's two games, at least until they can be postponed and made up? It's not good. It More than anything else, it's a bummer just because this season in all sports this year for everyone has just been this big bummer with things getting postponed and canceled and all. It seemed like after being able to play against Coastal and being able to go up to App State, Georgia State was past it. And so it flaring up again is frustrating and I'll save maybe some other stuff that I would mention about the App State series when we discuss about that. But it would have been a really important time for Georgia State to be able to get back on the court at home and try and play a little bit better. And so in that respect, also just disappointing that the games can't happen as scheduled. Yeah, continuity is a really big thing in all levels of sports, but especially in you know college basketball and you know the start and stop that is you know, affected Georgia state definitely can't be helpful for the players. You know, there's been a lot of guys who've been in, been out, you know, they're already missing two pretty important players. So this just is not good for, you know, the Panthers and their quest to, you know, win the Sun Belt this year. It's just, it's gotta be frustrating for the staff. It's gotta be frustrating for the players, you know, and obviously you want them to take the precautions and, you know, it's good that they shut things down and hopefully they can nip it in the bud quickly and get back out there. But, you know, it's a bummer. It's definitely a bummer. So the next scheduled games for the Panthers will be February 5th and 6th at home in Sports Arena versus Appalachian State. Uh, well, speaking of Appalachian State, the uh, unfortunate reality, of course, is that Georgia State was swept by the Mountaineers up in Boone. Uh, two games, two losses, 80-71 to 71 on Friday, 74-61 on Saturday. Panthers shooting 7 of 27 from three on the weekend and turning the ball over 29 times in those two games, 16 of those Friday night. On Friday, Justin Forrest led App State and all scorers on both teams with 23 points, while on Saturday, James Lewis Jr. had an impressive 22 points and 14 rebounds. Friday saw seven Panthers score five or more points in what was a balanced effort offensively, while Corey Allen and Justin Roberts took the lead on Saturday with 19 and 18 points, respectively. But neither was enough to overcome the Mountaineers, and the Panthers were swept out of Boone. Uh, gentlemen, thoughts? It's it was a rough weekend. Um, you know, I, I want to give some credit to App State. I think defensively, they got Georgia State off their game. Um, they did really well, kind of defending the paint. Um, not necessarily preventing scores, but just kind of the way they impacted, you know, entry passes. Um, 
And speaking of entry passes, for whatever reason, Georgia State last weekend was terrible um, at getting the ball in the paint, both because of App State's defense and just, you know, really, really sloppy offensive play. Um, And, you know, I also want to just say that it just looked like Georgia State didn't have that touch on their shooting. You know, they were three of 17 on Friday from downtown. That's I don't know that I've ever seen a Georgia State team be that bad at shooting the three. And this isn't a bad three point shooting team, you know. We, you know, we talked last week about Corey Allen being, you know, 54% from the floor, from behind the arc. And obviously we knew that that wasn't going to continue, but he is still a good three point shooter, you know, and he had a bad Friday night. He only went one for six. Well, Saturday, you know, you think, okay, maybe he's going to come back and do a little bit better. All right. He went two for seven, you know, and so the struggles for Allen kind of were emblematic of the struggles for the entire team because they just could not buy really a ton of offense uh, throughout the entire weekend. Yeah. I, I'm a big stats person and, you know, Jordan went through all the stats very eloquently and I am looking at the box scores right now, but it really wasn't a box score kind of weekend where you had to parse the box score to really see what happened. If you're watching the games, app state was just more, into it more in the zone on both sides. And I, you know, coach Lanier said as much, he called them the better team. And he said that they had been, you know, the, the, the energy, I guess was lacking for Georgia state. And yes, that was clearly the case. And um, it could be for any number of reasons as we've detailed, it's been just an up and down, just even conference season. I mean, Georgia state got through, all of non-conference with no, without a hitch. And it's only since conference season in the last few weeks that this stuff has really cropped up, but it's meant that Georgia state's had kind of a weird schedule of when they can play, when they can't play. And so maybe that's part of it. But at app, as David said, they were, they had a good game plan. They got Georgia state really uncomfortable, but when guys are just, throwing passes into the paint and it's just it's not even close to the guy in the interior it's just right at an app guy i think there was i forget which game it was i'll be honest the two kind of blurred together but one sequence where on back-to-back possessions georgia state turned it over basically just on a pass that was nowhere near a georgia state player and it was just a total wasted possession and it just felt very emblematic of just, just turnovers that we don't see from this team very often even in games where they're having turnover problems. It's not nearly that just there's nothing there. It's not like, Oh, you can see where the pass was supposed to be going and just, there wasn't enough touch on it. (laughs) Although there were some of those as well this weekend. Um, It was just ones where you couldn't really see what the game plan was. And when you're turning it over like that against a team that is, can play tough defense and you're just giving them empty possessions on defense, it's not going to make your life easier. And uh, that's sort of how it played out. Truth is in both games, Georgia state had a chance. And I think that the conversations would be a lot different if Georgia state had able to salvage a game, but I don't know that they should have been. Um, Even if Georgia state wins a game this weekend, I still, you think you look at it and you go, this is kind of troublesome. And now here we are, Georgia state's not going to play this week. And not going to cannot do team activities. So 
that part of it comes at the absolute worst time because I think that there was a lot that they have said internally and that they'd be looking forward to correcting against South Alabama and they're not going to get that chance to do it this week. And that's a big bummer because as you said, and you know, they just, I can just be frank. Like they looked terrible. You know, there were stretches, you know, I think you were referring to Friday night where they had just back to back ugly turnovers, you know, and obviously I I don't want to take away what app state did because app state was good. You know, they played well, you know, but for as bad as Georgia state was playing in each of those games late in the game, they were in both of those games. You know, we talked about it at internally at halftime on Friday. I think Georgia state was what one for six at that time. And app state had hit like eight threes. Um, so, you know, the score discrepancy should have been much larger than it was, but app state took a, you know, a one, two point halftime lead. You know, it wasn't like anything crazy despite the fact that Georgia state was just, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, you know, when you have games like that, where you're being effective in every other aspect, except one, you know, you would think that Georgia state would still be able to come out there and probably keep it competitive and win. And they just couldn't put any run together in the second half of the Friday game, or really, you know, after about halfway through the second half of the Saturday game either, because, you know, remember they were down early. Well, they started off hot in the Saturday game. They went up like 10, five or 10, three or something. Um, and then App State just kind of chipped away and then they took a lead and they Georgia State switched to that kind of three quarter press to full court press. And it was working. You know, they chipped away at that App State lead and they got it down to, I believe, two. And then App State just kind of pulled away from there and Georgia State could never find anything. And, you know, the run that App State went on wasn't even necessarily because they just started being lights out. No, they still had plenty of, you know, empty trips down the floor. It was just Georgia State couldn't get anything in transition. Um, and they couldn't hit any of their shots. And then they just turned the ball over a lot. Like it's just, you know, just a combination of them playing really poorly and then another team playing not great, but better, but significantly better, you know, good, I guess is a word that I can use to describe it. So. Yeah, in Saturday's game, State was down 37-26 at halftime, and they actually got it back to 42-40 with about 12 minutes to go. And the way they're playing in the second half, fight, it's kind of the way I make fun of UTA under uh, Coach Ogden for them playing. Just cause It's not a team that I guess this year UTA is putting up a lot of points, but in, in years past, UTA has been a team where – they are trying to get people to play down to their score per game and trying to make it kind of a rock fight. That was kind of what Georgia state was doing. It was an ugly game, but ugly in a way that was suiting Georgia state at that point. But they couldn't, once they got it down to two, they couldn't continue to chip away and get in the lead. And I think part of that was just Georgia state was attempting to win a way that they're just not suited to do, or they're not comfortable. They're not experienced at doing in winning that type of game uh, uh, where they are a team that wants to get out and run and wants to put up points, looks for that tempo. And that wasn't working uh, for whether it was because of app or whether because of Georgia state, that just wasn't working all weekend. And even in a game that they kept close, I think the reason that it ended up going apps away on Saturday is that it was still a game that was kind of more favored apps way than Georgia state's way, especially right now when, the three-quarter pressure worked well. Uh, there's been times this year where Georgia State's been able to switch up 
their defenses and whether it's three quarter pressure, whether it's switching to a zone and throwing teams off. And there's been stretches of games where, where whether it's because of one of those wrinkles they're adding, or whether it's just because it's a good stretch of game for Georgia state, they're able to force turnovers, lock down on defense. But on the whole, I think the thing that Georgia state has to just get more consistent at is just playing good half court defense for long stretches of games. It just, especially on Friday, this, this set of games, just too many free, you know, good looks for app state from beyond the arc or just interior and just deep possessions forced. And I think that that's probably the thing more than anything George state needs to work on on defense is it not the turnovers. The turnovers are going to come just the way that they keep the speed going when they are controlling the game and just in the way that they've got on ball guys with good hands and on ball defending. Um, but it's just going to have to be in just when the turnovers aren't coming or when they're just in their base stuff, they're not mixing it up or trying to throw any wrinkles in just defending. Yeah. I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying because the defense lately has just not, you know, they'll have the patented, you know, couple of stretches where they'll force a shot clock violation and they're really clamping down. And then there's just other stretches where teams have just been getting, you know, kind of whatever look they want. And, you know, I'll admit there were some of those threes on Friday, especially that went in for app state that were heavily contested. You know, I won't sit there and say that Georgia state played, you know, traffic cone like defense but there's also been times this year where teams have just been able to get whatever it is that they want either at the rim you know open jump shots and you know it's not like teams are doing anything particularly crazy you know they'll screen once or twice maybe and get some action going on the wings but it's it's like georgia state just is a step slower than them or they just can't you know figure out where that next pass is going and you know guys get open looks and that's you know, they're, we're still talking about a good team, you know, they're still eight and four. Um, but you know, that's definitely something that needs to be cleaned up because that's just, you can't give up so many easy and open looks like that. That's just, that's just not how great teams play basketball. And if you're a team that is aspiring to be, you know, the perennial Sunbelt representative in the NCAA tournament, that's just, you know, that type of defense is just not going to cut it. And I suppose this is a good time for me to bring up what I said last week before I knew this set of games was going to happen. So good old prescient me tricky year for any big takeaways from the program as a whole, just because of all the things we've mentioned, everything knows everyone, everything everyone knows about with how this COVID year is gone. And that's a perfect example because it just seems like, especially with how I said that they, coaching staff has handled that they emphasized offense and letting making sure the guys are having fun when they were finally back in the gym together early on in what was basically the preseason such as it was um everything it's this might not be any indication of georgia state and the program they're going to be under coach the near. And it's just that this year has been weird. So it's, it's hard for me to say how much of this is systemic and how much of this is just how this year and especially how this month has been for Georgia state. But uh, the interest of positives, 
I think that there were some issues as you outlined with, with some interior defense, but I actually think that this was offensively the best that LAL and Jalen have meshed inside and they were feeding each other and playing off each other well inside. And even when the turnovers were happening uh, where entry passes weren't there, the first part of it was good in that, that whether it was LAL or, or Jalen, they were finding a good position inside and there was a chance there for basket to be had, but it just, you know, the execution wasn't there. Uh, but I'd want to say that I don't want to just all say negatives. And I thought that that was an encouraging thing. I think that is an obvious thing that has just come as they've been able to play together more as Jalen had missed some games um, and LAL had missed some games. So I didn't want it to all be gloom, gloom and doom, not all gloom and doom. I did. That was an encouraging thing. It is, you know, I think we can probably harp a little bit more on the guards, even though they generally tended to have more points over the weekend, but you're right. The, so Semi and Thomas both looked good inside. And that, I think this was the most that they've played together um, this year, just due to a variety of reasons. And they looked good. You know, I still think Thomas is, especially on the defensive end, you know, I think he's having it a, a good season. Um, I obviously there were some issues, but I don't want to individually say that he was out of position or, you know, anything that I noticed with him specifically. I think it was more so just App State kind of going away and around him, you know, kind of avoiding that side. And that's where some of those open looks came slash, you know, he was on a rotation or, you know, he switched with somebody. So, you know, but I, I have been very impressed with Thomas defensively this year. Um, and, you know, of course, Sasemi led the team in rebounds on Saturday because that's what he does. He's just a ball hawk under the rim. So, yeah. Um, and the other thing with this team and the question marks is that Joe Jones hasn't played this year. Nelson Phillips is out for the year. And so those are two guys that would definitely be adding something to the defensive identity of this team. And one side of that coin is this year. I think the team is missing both those guys and what they provide, especially what, you know, we'd expect to see the typical sophomore bump from Joe Jones that, you know, we're still waiting to see um, if he plays. But the other side of it is that they're presumably back next year. And that is getting that sophomore year from Colin Moore, who's had really encouraging steps from Evan Johnson and Caleb Scott. Um, you're going to get Nelson Phillips back who, you know, one of the best defenders, one of the best energy guys, one of the best three point shooters on the team last year. That's a big thing. Joe Jones, another big body inside that can play off of LAL and Jalen and give all of them rest and not have anyone playing too many minutes in time out over the course of the season. So I'd also just mention that. Injuries are always the excuse you go with. And I coaching staff, the players don't want or need an excuse. It, the team could still be getting better results and could have won either or both of these games without them. But that's just another part of it is it's not just COVID. It's that separate from COVID, there's also been some key contributors missing. So like I said earlier, uh, the Panthers will be 
assuming COVID protocol is cleared successfully and all the tier one individuals are no longer unavailable. Panthers will be playing again February 5th and 6th at home versus Appalachian State. So we will be monitoring the situation and we'll let you know anything that we learn. One last thing this week, we did want to take some time to honor the memory of Henry Hank Aaron, who passed away this past week at the age of 86. Aaron lives on in legend not only as an iconic, generation-defining, record-breaking, and barrier-shattering Atlanta Braves player, but also as a role model for countless young people and an advocate for racial equality. Um, oh, man. This, you know... I am a black American, um, and baseball actually is my favorite sport. Um, even though we don't necessarily talk about it as much, baseball was kind of the first sport that I gravitated to, uh, as you know, as I got older, um, I did obviously live in Atlanta for a long time, but I remember right before I moved from Chicago, um, I had to do a book report and, um, to kind of embrace my new, you know, chapter in my life, I chose to do a book report on Henry Aaron. Um, and I remember I had to, you know, kind of create a Braves Jersey and, you know, just talk about his life and, you know, just, it always meant so much to me seeing, you know, how much people loved this man who looked like me and who was great at the game of baseball, you know, and obviously he dealt with a lot of things, you know, racism, you know, just people being nasty to him and, you know, not even just racism because he was black, but also just because, you know, obviously he had to break Babe Ruth's home run record and people didn't like that. Um, but he meant so much to me. He was definitely instrumental in getting me to like baseball, which got me into liking other sports. Um, you know, I definitely miss him. I've never met him or anything like that, but you know, that's definitely somebody who touched my life in ways that, you know, he will never even know. So, um, obviously the news hit me as hard as it could hit anybody who didn't know him personally, you know, but the world lost a really good one with, uh, Henry's passing. That's definitely for sure. The Georgia State connection to Hank Aaron is obvious, of course. The Panthers' new baseball field was long rumored to be constructed on the footprint of the former Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, where Aaron's 715th home run permanently memorialized him in baseball record books. Until recently, Georgia State had kept details relatively low-key. Aaron was known to be interested in GSU's plans, and in the days and weeks preceding his passing, Georgia State Athletics was working to arrange a meeting with him to discuss the plans for the site and how his 715th home run legacy would be included. Sadly, Hank Aaron passed away before such a meeting could take place. Renderings released by the school to Maria Supporta of SupporterReport.com and Fox 5 News show both a new baseball and softball stadium in what is currently in the Georgia State Green Lot, separated by a plaza. The 715 wall appears to be in the center of the plaza, which would mean that the baseball stadium wouldn't incorporate it into the outfield wall like earlier preliminary drawings suggested. Uh, I would assume this was a necessary change in order to accommodate the addition of softball to the site, but until more concrete information is released by the school, I don't know that there's too much to go on here. Regardless, though, it is good to see progress, no matter how small, on plans for the site. It's something that Georgia State has been desperately needing for a very long time to move baseball and softball out of the Panthersville complex and into downtown. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am glad you're the, the local angle on Georgia State stuff. Obviously, it's the least important part as far as this goes. I'm glad because... I think that especially now that he has 
he is gone. The onus on honoring him as best we can with the Jordan being in that former turn of, you know, former Fort County stadium where that event, that totemic sports event happened totemic American history event happened can be memorialized is just so much more important. Um, I just, you know, as I was seeing all of the statements from people who knew Hank Aaron and all of their thoughts and all of their well wishes to him and his family, um, well wishes about him, I guess. Um, it was struck that all of them felt so real and so authentic. And that's not to say that people are usually in the business of giving really phony statements when people die, but you could really tell how every single person who had something to say, who was in baseball, who knew him, how real all of that was. And that was just, you know, it is uh, a really sad thing for Atlanta sports, a sad thing for baseball. And anytime Hank Aaron comes up, I feel like it's the stat that everyone goes to, but it is just my favorite stat that if you take out his 755 home runs, he still had over 3000 hits in his career. I mean, all the American history stuff is, you know, all that he meant for just America in general is great, but also just, he was a really good baseball player. He was a really, really good baseball player. After the initial recording of this podcast, we did learn that one of the Troy games that was missed due to COVID-19 has been rescheduled for February 16th. So we will keep you updated on any future schedule changes, but just wanted to put that out there before we sent this podcast out. As always, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next week with hopefully some more positive Georgia State news. See ya. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.